Hello and welcome to another episode of Friday Formula, a weekly motorsport podcast where this week we'll be sipping on pastis and admiring the red and blue runoffs of Paul Ricard as we head to Le Castellet for the French Grand Prix. I'm Owen Bellwood and as always I'm joined by Will Longman. How are you doing this week, Will? I'm good, thank you. Uh, I'm hopeful that when it comes to the British Grand Prix you change that exact intro from sipping pastis to scoffing pasties and that was much funnier the first time we did that before we had recording issues <laughs> <laughs> still a good line still a good line and then to carry on uh what we've already pre-rehearsed the first time we recorded this we should apologize oh, i'm in an apologetic mood to france this weekend because we were not very nice about it last week no we quite early Quite early on, wrote it off and said it was going to be boring, dull track, no space for overtakes. But it was quite the opposite of the weekend, really, wasn't it? I didn't switch it off, which is kind of where my expectations were for this weekend. And I even watched it with a couple of people that also enjoyed it that aren't normally into Formula One. So that was a plus. That's always good to hear. Yeah. We're all about the uh, bringing new people in to motorsport at the minute, aren't you? You wait until like we have a end of year Christmas party podcast, and there's like <laughs> all four of our listeners there. Um, but yeah, so we are going to talk through all the action of this weekend's French Grand Prix, and uh, it was it was another quite nice mix of on track action, pit stop dramas, and strategy that kind of took place across the whole race. It wasn't the case that it was all action at the start or at the end. It was sort of spurst throughout which i guess stopped you from turning it off yeah there was a bit of a lull i think the race really benefited and i know like pirelli have not been in the good books this year but i think it benefited from the teams not knowing what the hell was going on with the tires Mm -hmm. um you know pressures had changed a little bit before the race and so when it actually got to doing race runs the teams had or didn't know whether it was a one-stop or a two-stop, basically, and and had to gamble or play it safe. And that's what I think it all pretty much came down to. Yeah. The race kind of started off with its own little bit of drama. We had um, Max on pole, and he was closely followed by Lewis Hamilton, then uh, Valtteri Bottas, and Sergio Perez was fourth. And while it looked like Max had the start and had the jump, he had a little bit of a, a wobble just coming out of turn one, which gave Hamilton the chance to jump in front and take the lead of the race. And like you say, at that point, it was another one where it seemed like it was sliding into place. Lewis was going to hold four. He was going to win. It was all going to be fine. But um, yeah, it all came down to tyre management and tyre strategy as the race went on, didn't it? Yes. And again, we, we talk about him every week, it seems, but being able to manage his tyres brilliantly. Sergio Perez had a blinder managing his tyres that really set him up for a good race. And boy, is he a good team player. Mm. He knows that he is just grateful to be in Formula One at the moment. So, And he wants to win a world championship. And if he's part of a world championship winning team, I'd I'd argue that a lot of that is dependent on him. And so he can kind of take that as a world championship. But it was kind of at the front where it was all decided, where Max, well, Max performed the first undercut and managed to get back in the lead, didn't he? Yeah, I was quite shocked by how effective that undercut would be. Initially, it was a bit strange that Bottas pitted first for Mercedes because he was obviously not the lead driver and usually they would give the lead driver the first pit stop. 
but uh, Bottas pitted and then Max pitted and then Lewis pitted after that and Lewis came out behind Max purely because of the sort of couple of seconds at second advantage that that undercut was worth. I did do some reading after the race and apparently the decision to pit Bottas early was because he was reporting quite a bit of vibration. Mm. So the team were worried about that being potentially terminal for the car. So that was the reason behind him coming in sooner. But yeah, after the first stage of pit stops, Lewis was back behind and was no longer leading the race. No. Um, and during during those pit stops, I actually think, because Pe- Perez led the race for a little while, didn't he? Where he stayed out for a lot longer than everyone else, as has been the case so many times this season. And like you say, he was just kind of nursing his tyres. The other person that I think is worth mentioning that also stayed out a bit longer was um, McLaren's Lando Norris. He didn't pit until lap 24, and at the time, he seemed to be a little bit nervous with his engineers about why they'd left him out so long. But that proved to be the way to make the one-stop strategy work if you weren't prepared to wait a bit longer on the the mediums that he started on. Then you were sort of going to be forced into a two-stop, it seemed. Yeah. Because didn't Lando have a terrible start? Not terrible, but yeah, he dropped back about like three or four places, which yeah, I he... guess is pretty terrible. And then he had a little battle with um, Daniel, didn't he? I think one of those places was losing to Daniel Ricciardo because he seemed to then just like, they then charged back through the field and it was like Lando was just sitting behind Daniel like, you do the hard work and then I'll pick up the scraps and you do the hard work, I'll pick it up. And then at yeah. some point in the race, I'll just overtake you and you've done all the hard work and then yeah, I'll be faster was... than you. It seemed like it was a bit of teamwork ganging up on, like they'd find a weak one. Yeah. <laughs> so like the the one I remember was Alonso, who was kind of getting to the end of his tyre life, and Daniel found a gap and went through, and then while Alonso was sort of slower and moving out of the way, Lando just darted in as well, and two yeah. of them got past the Alpine in sort of two corners or so. And then another two drivers, actually, that I think are probably worth a mention for their tyre management. Sebastian Vettel and Lance Stroll, mm. they stayed out on pretty long stints, as seems to be the way with Aston Martin. Maybe this is where Sergio Perez learned his, his trade. Maybe it's like a tactic that they've given to him. But yeah, Lance had a pretty good a good race, having crashed out in qualifying in Q1, managing to work his way up into the points. And it's all thanks to doing a really long stint. It was a nice double points finish for both of them. They finished ninth and 10th. Mm. And like you say, Lance had started right at the back. Actually, I think he was 19th in the end because Yuki Tsunoda had his penalty. And then Seb Vettel, he he started 12th and managed to make up three places through the race. Yeah. So both of them showing that they've got the moves to get past people on what is traditionally a tricky overtaking circuit. Yeah, I, th- I mean, I think... There's one spot where you can overtake, isn't there? There's just one spot. Well, there in the start. But yeah, there was then a reverse of fortunes, wasn't there, for Ferrari. You know, just thinking there where you said that Seb had a good race and made it from 13th up to 9th. Two of those places were the, I can't even say, the the terrible Charles Leclerc and Carlos Sainz who both finished out the points. Yeah, it was complete polar opposite of the last two races where been quite victorious yes look ferrari are back to see them just fall down it's dreadful it's not what you want so they um leclerc qualified in seventh 
which was like not a bad starting point. And then Sainz was just ahead of him in fifth. So they did kind of look like they'd got something, but yeah. it just seems like they're lacking in race pace. I don't know if that's like to do with the power, draggy car, something like that. But um, I was reading something, uh, an interview with Carlos Sainz, and he said that they'd been a bit fearful of the French Grand Prix okay. and thought that it would be one that they'd do a bit rubbish at. So it must be something about the circuit that that car's just not suited to. Not that rubbish. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it really gave McLaren the chance to gather the points and hold on to third in the constructors after they were seemingly quite close and dicey. It's such a shame as well on the weekend that Ferrari were running their special livery without the terrible mission winnow green back fin. Yeah. It looks so much better. Yeah. <laughs> and did you see Charles's snazzy helmet design for the weekend? Yes. The Spider-Man. Yeah. Yeah. Did you see how he unveiled it on Thursday? And then when he finally wore it on Friday in free practice, he had to have like a yellow sticker over it because yeah. it was a, an Australia logo that wasn't allowed. <laughs> Interesting funny. thing that I learned about Paul Ricard. Uh, for those of you that don't know, Paul Ricard is the founder of Ricard Pastis, which is a massive deal in France and is now part of Pernod Ricard, which own pretty much every spirit brand you've heard of. And apparently, one of the reasons that he built the Paul Ricard circuit is because there's such strict alcohol advertising laws in France. So he wanted to have something with his name on that people could associate with his brand. Wow. And it could, uh, there's a little loophole around the old advertising ban. That's not confirmed. Some people say it was just because he liked racing, but that is one theory. What the shame about that is, is it's definitely the first time anyone listening to this has ever heard that that is the reason why. <laughs> so no one associates it with that at all. No, no. <laughs> but it was a nice little Yeah, it's a good fact. Link. Back on the track, though. The action did continue after the pit stops and um, it kind of started to become apparent that maybe Mercedes and Red Bull were going to have to think about a two-stop strategy because the both Mercedes drivers were moaning about like not excessive but faster than expected tyre wear. Everyone was, everyone was saying that they were degrading a lot faster than they thought. Yeah, some reports have said it was to do with the higher pressures, the cooler temperatures, um, but it was like one step harder than we'd had at the last few races with the tyres, so mm -hmm. I don't know, they just seem a bit unpredictable this year, don't they? Yeah, which is bad for the teams but I quite enjoy a bit of tyre drama Yeah yeah, It's nice to mix it up where you're sort of forced to make a late stop for some reason or yeah. your strategy doesn't quite work out So Red Bull called Max in for a second stop which put him about like 25 seconds back on uh, Lewis and Valtteri which meant we just got sort of 10 or 15 laps of Max putting in faster and faster time and you just see in that gap eke down slowly but surely so that it came to sort of the final five laps or so where Valtteri was tasked with defending against him and um, I've seen his defending come under fire a little bit what did you think did he do an adequate job would you have fired him on the spot for not holding up Max long enough <laughs> no I I feel so sorry for Valtteri this weekend, to be honest. I think he's a bit of a sitting duck. I mean, ultimately, Max got past Lewis pretty easily. Mm. I, you know, 
it's not Valtteri's job to stop Max from overtaking Lewis. It's Valtteri's job to stop Max from overtaking himself. And yeah. no one was stopping Max this weekend. But Valtteri Bottas did say, should we do plan B? Yeah. Very early on. He he could see the race unfolding. And no one listened to him. Yeah, we had his outburst, which was not something that you see very often from Valtteri. He's normally quite kind of calm and collected. So he's done, to... isn't he? I think he's done. With... Yeah. I think he won't be sad to leave Mercedes next year. No, I feel like he's maybe always hoped that... Not that they'd take him seriously, because they do obviously like take his talent seriously, but I guess maybe he's never felt as like ingrained in the team as he wanted to, and always like he was sort of a placeholder. Yeah, I think this is this is part of the problem with Mercedes is they have some of the greatest minds in the paddock, but sometimes you can't all the computer data you have is it it pales into insignificance compared to what the driver in the car thinks. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the driver has to listen to James and sometimes James needs to listen to the driver and yeah. the latter doesn't happen as often as maybe as it should. Yeah, because if they'd listened to Valtteri and gone for the two-stop, it's been proven that that was quicker. They would have easily walked away with the win and probably first place in the drivers again. Yeah, because there would have been a six-point swing to Lewis and there was only four points in it at the start of the race. But then there was some sass on the radio when Bottas got passed by Perez and was like, oh, we should have done the two-stop, blah, 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 blah. Uh, and then his engineer just went, Perez is also on a one-stop. And it was like, <laughs> okay, yeah, but you could have done a two-stop and stayed in front of Perez. Yeah. You could have basically done what Verstappen is now doing to Hamilton, to Perez. Um, yeah, it was a real shame. Yeah, yeah, it was, like you say, he was sort of a sitting duck and kind of after Azerbaijan where he ended up with completely different setup that ultimately proved to be unsuccessful for him like a bit too draggy and slowing the car down for him to then to be in this position where it's like we need to do this and the team don't listen yeah like obviously he wanted to be in the best car but i would have thought things like that make you think maybe i want to look for a different team yeah well i hear there might be a seat coming up at williams <laughs> <laughs> Who, on the basis of this week, a very promising, very promising drive from uh, George Russell. One, I know we kind of were going down the order of the grid earlier, um, but I, there's a lot of drivers who wouldn't mind being in that Williams this weekend, I don't think. Yeah, he finished 12th in the end, didn't he? Yeah, in front of both Ferraris. Yeah. No safety cars, hardly a yellow flag. For most, it was a basic one-stop race. It's great. And, like, it's annoying because we've seen him put in these really solid drives and come so close to points in crazy races where there's been loads of dnfs and like the first race of the year where not a single person dnfs he finishes in 12th yeah so close to the points yeah, yeah. <laughs> if only like lando and danny had taken each other out at some point oh, don't say that <laughs> no i don't want that to happen ever <laughs> But yeah, great drive from him. And also Alonso, like we obviously mentioned that he got passed by um, Lando uh, and Daniel Ricciardo. But he seems to have kind of found his form in the Alpine a little bit more now as well. Like we've seen Carlos Sainz in the Ferrari and Sergio in the Red Bull. They seem to find their form a little bit sooner, but it seemed 
like the weekend that Alonso and Daniel Ricciardo both got to grips with their new cars a little bit more. Yeah, he outperformed Ocon, who was riding the wave of a home home Grand Prix where he's just signed a deal for three years, mm. uh, which uh, I think he's very lucky to have that. But yeah, it's good to see Alonso get up to speed. Um, and Mick Schumacher didn't have the best race, but put it in Q2. I know. What? It was slight heartbreak at the same time because he crashed at the end of Q1. Oh no, that was... Did he crash on purpose to stop? <laughs> <laughs> Did he do a Charles Leclerc? <laughs> Did he do a Charles Leclerc who was doing a Michael Schumacher? <laughs> who will know? Oh yeah, history repeating itself. I know. I know, yeah, great to see him in Q3. Uh, not Q3. Oh, wow. <laughs> that would have been... <laughs> Watch him do it at Austria now. Yeah, it's going to happen. <laughs> Did you see his slightly hairy moment with teammate Nikita Mazepin early on in the race? Yeah. I th- it's a bit of a racing incident, isn't it? I think they were just having a bit of a race. Yeah, it wasn't like in Baku where Mazepin did some slightly overly defensive driving. This more looked like there was a bit of a gap. You might as well try and go for it. Yeah, and it was more the they were side by side, and eventually, the way that the kind of racing line goes, Mazepin ended up moving in front of Schumacher. Mm. It's, it's nothing, is it? I mean, at least they're racing each other. Like at least you know Mazepin got some practice racing another car for once. Yeah, because we've seen Mick get a little bit dicey with people, but I guess when that car is so much slower than everyone yeah. else, they're the only people they are going to race. Yeah. But then, as the race continued, we had, like we mentioned, Max making his way past Valtteri. And it came down to the penultimate lap where he had the opportunity to overtake Lewis as well. And I kind of was expecting a little bit more of a fight from Lewis, but I guess his tyres were just shot to pieces and there was not really a lot he could do. Yeah, and I mean, it was it was, it was Bahrain 2.0, wasn't it? Um, having... Max chase down Lewis on a different strategy and catch him on the penultimate lap. It was like a complete mirror. But Lewis didn't really put up much of a fight then either. He was just lucky that Max pushed it a little bit too far and had to give the place back. Yeah. Lewis says he's patient. He wasn't necessarily patient in, in Baku, but it, he, he should be playing the long game. You know, his, his race has come in the second half of the season where... Traditionally, Mercedes have been brilliant at tracks like Spa, at tracks like Kota, Mexico, Japan, mm. Russia. Just, just play it. Take it. Take it slow. Take it easy. You can claw back those points later in the year. Don't bin it no. again. <laughs> no. Interesting fact that I found out about um, Max's win after he passed Lewis. Uh, this was the first time in his career that he's got pole, fastest lap, and the win. Yeah, that's nuts, isn't it? I know. I don't know why, I just assume he's done all of these things. Well, he's still in, like, single digits for poles. Yeah. Which is crazy. It just shows, like, he's obviously an incredible driver, but how dominant that Mercedes team's been, and then, like, 2017, how competitive the Ferrari was. Yeah. Because there was sort of no way of getting past those two, well, those four cars. 
Well, it's also the first time in the hybrid era that Red Bull have won three races in a row. Yeah. I presume the only other teams to have done that are Mercedes and Ferrari. Mm. And I doubt Ferrari have actually done it that many times either. No. It'll be interesting to see over the coming months because Mercedes have supposedly sacked off developing this year's car and focusing on next year's. So if Red Bull keep pushing their package, yeah. it might not be as a walk in the park like we're all expecting. No. But then how much are Red Bull willing to sacrifice 2022? Yeah, exactly. And having a good head start on a new era when they've got a pretty competitive car. Because really, they only have to develop it for a few more months mm. than Mercedes do to be in a place where they think they've got the better car. Yeah, and they're not going to have be hit with the same sort of engine issues that they had at the start of the hybrid era. Yeah. Like they know that Honda engine is fast. Uh, and Max was actually running a brand new engine this weekend. Okay. So the, the extra polish might have sped him up a bit or something. Who knows? <laughs> Just warming up for the Red Bull ring, I'm sure. Yeah, exactly. So after uh, the nicely action-filled French Grand Prix, Max is now 12 points clear of Lewis. So it is... Is it only 12? I, for some reason, I thought it was more than that. But it is only 12. No, the, the reason I, I felt like it was more was because I felt like Max has won more this year. Mm. It's just because having a 12-point gap after like eight races just feels unheard of. Yeah. It, um, it's not something that we're used to. Um, who has won more races? Max. Three each. Oh, three each. Oh, and then one for Perez. Yeah. Three each. God, it is is close, isn't it? And then they both... So so in each of those races, it's always been a Hamilton-Verstappen 1-2, hasn't it? Apart from Monaco. Monaco, you had Carlos and Lando on the podium. Mm. And Lewis came like six away. Yeah. So that could be be a really deciding race. Yeah. Yeah, like we're all expecting last uh, last time out in Azerbaijan to be quite a decider but after Lewis binned it as well yeah it sort of balanced things out again while we're talking post-race I have to just mention that after the race we'd had a pretty good race but they had the cars on the grid the camera was coming out to meet them as they were celebrating and I was watching it and I was like is that spots of rain on the camera <laughs> and literally the lap the in lap it started to rain oh. I know but Maybe you didn't need it. Supposedly, there is an effect that the exhaust and the heat from the race actually like suppresses rain. And once that stops, it's more likely to rain. Wow. So, there you go. It's quite a fact. I think I heard it on another motorsport podcast rather than a scientific journal. There are no so... other motorsport podcasts. <laughs> uh, so, the... Factual correctness may be up for some debate. Oh, no, everything that I've ever heard in a motorsport podcast has always been 100% true. <laughs> I don't listen to this one, though. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a bit of an overview of the action from the French Grand Prix, but now we're going to get into the nitty-gritty and go in-depth with our one-sentence reviews of each team. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to run through them in championship order, so we'll start with current leaders Red Bull. Will, how have you described their weekend? I have got 
hat-trick heroes charge through the field once again. Uh, and then in second place currently, oh, I'm not used to saying that, uh, Mercedes. I've said strategy shocker stresses sweary second driver. And I tried so hard to think of a word beginning with S that could replace driver. <laughs> in third place currently is McLaren. How have you described their weekend? And Daniel's up to speed as McLaren extend their midfield lead. Fourth place, Ferrari. From hero to zero points finish. Just behind Ferrari is the second Italian team, Alpha Tauri. Uh, I got Yuki needs to find some pace. Gasly's decent home race. Sixth place, Vettel and Stroll, Aston Martin. This one I've just gone with double points finish after solid recovery drives. Behind Aston Martin, we have Alpine. Uh, I just put Ogon gets a new contract but celebrates with a poor run. Eighth place, and a team that we actually haven't spoken about yet, is Alfa Romeo. Nothing really happened. So I went with second Ferrari-powered team struggles in ferocious France. And then the penultimate team, Williams. Things are turning around for Williams as Russell has best race ever. Last but not least, Haas F1. Uh, I've said squabbling teammates sure to clash sooner or later. So that was our thoughts on the French Grand Prix, but it was the first in the latest trouble header. And as we head into this weekend's Styrian Grand Prix, we're both going to try and take a guess at the pole position sitter and then who will make it onto the podium. So, Will, who do you think is going to get pole? I have gone for Valtteri Bottas. I think he's going to have a bit of redemption. He had a decent first race in Austria last year where he was on pole for the first run and then he did a Mick Schumacher doing a Charles Leclerc doing a Michael Schumacher where uh, he went off in sector two started cutting the grass ruined everyone else's laps got pole position he went on to win that race maybe it could be a good weekend for him how about yourself I have gone for Carlos Sainz Oh, how, so a minute ago, you said if you've gone for anyone spicy, and if you have, I'll just go for Lewis or Max, and you bring that out of the back. Well, because when we both hopped off to get a drink, I came back quicker and was looking through past performances. And while Ferrari had a rubbish car last year in Austria, they did quite good. They crashed into each other. In the second one. In the first <laughs> one, Charles was on the podium. True. So imagine what he can do with a slightly better car. Um, and I think Carlos, yeah, you know, Carlos. Okay. Standing by it. It's going to be 100% wrong. But no, one race of on. It's got to be wrong. Race <laughs> on. I think there's going to be a lot of fun with traffic. And it is one of those tracks where someone goes off, brings out a yellow flag. It's going to mm. ruin, ruin the laps. I think it'll be a good qualifying session. Also, it's scheduled to rain all weekend. Yeah. So it, it won't rain till five o'clock on Sunday. <laughs> it's the cars. They, they stop it raining. No, they stop the rain. <laughs> stop the rain. <laughs> so who have you got for your top three then? In third place, I'm saying Charles Leclerc. Okay. 
In second place, Max Verstappen. In first place, Lewis Hamilton. Okay, I thought you were going to bring out Carlos Sainz at some point after he said Charles. I was like, wow. No, I think, yeah, I'm hoping for a bit of a return for Ferrari. I know that this weekend they didn't really have the race pace, but the Red Bull rings quite a different circuit and somewhere they've done quite well in the past. Um, Charles specifically has done pretty well around this circuit, so Charles Leclerc podium. Okay. You heard it here first. Game on. What about you? 3-2-1 style? Third, I'm going out on a limb here, Daniel Ricciardo. Mainly because I want him to. <laughs> Second, Sergio Perez. First, Max Verstappen. I think I think Mercedes might have a bit of a shocker. So that is everything from us this week. We'll be back next Friday with another roundup of the week's biggest motoring news. But until then, please do let us know what your predictions for this weekend's Styrian Grand Prix is. You can get in touch with the show on Twitter at Friday Formula. Uh, also, there you'll be able to keep up with all the latest goings on from the Friday Formula team and find out about new episodes, old episodes, and just generally what's happening. If you would like to find a slightly more condensed version of our episodes, we've also got a YouTube channel where you'll be able to see our faces as well. So to find that, just head to YouTube and search Friday Formula. We're around there somewhere. And finally, as we are in the middle of a triple header now would be a great time to join our fantasy formula one team the code to join our league will be in the description below so head there and see how you compare to both me and will's teams so that is everything from us this week thank you so much for listening hope you have a great weekend and enjoy the race and we'll be back wherever you get your podcasts next friday goodbye bonsoir <laughs> <laughs>